Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bagging Broadcast, episode number 307. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is The List, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out July 6, 2016. Mm-hmm. Follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And since we just got out of the month of June, that means it's time for our June lookbacks. We're going to be talking about some of the comic books that came out in the month of June. And we got a lot of them because it was DC Rebirth Month. So we've got Detective Comics 934, Aquaman number one, Green Lanterns number one, Batman number one, Action Comics number 930, 957, sorry, uh, Superman number one, Flash number one. Green Arrow number one, and Wonder Woman number one. All these number ones, though, are all the Rebirth number ones, they correct? Are. Okay. Yep. yep. We're doing the, the Rebirth one-shots that kind of let you dip your toe. Because that was, that was super confusing for me, at least. I thought there were reprints. Then that, like, yeah, then I, they, because I'm like, oh, I guess, yeah. I, like, <clears throat> they sold out, and they're making a second printing, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, you had, like, Green Arrow rebirth number one and then all of a sudden like two weeks later you got green arrow number one yeah. and i was like oh i skipped it yeah <laughs> so now i gotta go back and figure out which ones that i really liked and which ones i now need to buy the actual number one of before right, the number twos come out that's what we're doing yeah. that's why we're here yeah so hopefully yeah, just basically look at the rebirth number ones as zero issues and you're set yeah so you listen that's to us what talk I told about paul them. before the show yeah <laughs> So listen to us talk about them, don't buy them, and then buy the actual number ones that come out either this month, right? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be spoilers anyway, so you don't even really need to buy those. Hmm. And talking about spoiling... Uh, at the time when this beer came out, it was something that we said, you don't need to buy. Yeah, and uh, now, two years later, <laughs> we are again trying the Belgian-style Super Saison Sonnet. Uh, this is bottle condition ale brewed with lemongrass. And that's from Southern Tier, Tier Brewery. Yeah, out of Liquid, New York. Uh, 8.5% alcohol by volume. Didn't realize it was that high. Uh, but this is actually good now. Before, we were like, yeah, we don't taste anything. I guess, wait, we did get that little bit of a banana flavor on it before. Now, this is all just citrus smooth with that Belgian bubble still. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, bottle condition, like when I before I started to pour this, it was just <laughs> shit was just floating. Yeah. Like you wouldn't believe in this thing. I'm very excited for the last bit. Um, I like yeah, the sediment. The, the sediment in the bottom. Yeah, I, I always when you have a bottle condition, I always leave a little bit in the bottom <laughs> just to keep the main sediment there because um, it does alter the taste of the beer. <laughs> uh, good and like you said, like. It says lemongrass on it, so when I was taking my sips, mm-hmm. I was thinking lemon, and I was definitely getting citrus. But when you said tangerine... It tastes more... Well, because everything's been tangerine recently. Yeah. It does taste a little more tangerine-y. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a great summertime beer. I don't think they make this anymore, which... Probably not. I wish, I wish they did so I can forget about it for two years. <laughs> um really really enjoyable mm-hmm. if i had known I, I think it might be like a seasonal one because i know they had it like two years in a row yeah but i don't think they're brewing it anymore. i think we, i skipped it last time i saw it because i'm like oh that wasn't so good and then i john asked me what i we, what i had for the show to drink and i'm like ah, should i run out real quick and get something and i'm like nah i can just go down in the basement and find something I'm like oh what's this collecting dust yeah, and I, I'm like, oh, it's well, like one year old. I've got this last year, and then I looked at the date on the bottle, and it's like April. 
of 2014. And I'm like, ooh, yeah, we should drink this. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it was actually a limited release just yeah. for spring 2014. But I thought they had it the week, like the year after. Maybe maybe it was just still on the it, shelves. Yeah, it could have been. It's possible. Yeah, it's not on their release schedule for this year. But though, <laughs> if you have one in your basement, now's the time to drink it. Uh, we, we, we. People sometimes will ask us, how do we know it's time to drink something? We don't. We just kind of sit we, on things. We pass over things all the time because you go, well, that beer. That beer. Yeah. And then we break it out of the cellar and we go, oh, that beer. <laughs> hey, you guys should definitely buy, get a time. This is where time machines would really be helpful. <laughs> yes. You know, honestly, if I had a time machine nowadays, I wouldn't worry about killing baby Hitler because of the whole, like, time flux and creating the Biff Tannen future. But would you kill Hitler's baby? Well, he did. That. He does that already for us, so I don't need to worry about that. Um, or did he? Pretty sure he did. Pretty sure he did. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, this won't... Me going back in time and buying a bottle of beer won't affect the present in any way, really, except for my enjoyment of the present of that past beer that's now aged you know what i mean i know what you mean there's no butterfly effect there's nothing that could go wrong because i know i'm not at that beer store buying that beer at that time because if i was then i would be i have already bought in that beer there was a 2015 sonnet from southern tier Mm. Mm. okay the same oh okay i was just filling up time because we have like no news yeah no news this week um Kind of a slow week, which I'm more than okay with because we got a lot of books to talk about. But we do need a Bracket Buster update. All right. For your weekly bl- <laughs> Magnum Broadcast Blockbuster Silver Movie Bracket, bracket Buster Buster update. Uh, I screwed that all up. I couldn't even start it right. Yeah, you tried. Uh, this weekend saw the opening of the BFG, the Big Friendly Giant. And it's looking to only pull in about $23 million over this four-day weekend uh, here on the Bracket Buster at, at Begum Broadcast. We only take the three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from that weekend, uh, which BoxOfficeMojo.com does report. So it's looking to, est- they're estimating about a 19 to $20 million opening weekend um, for the BFG, which seems uh, disappointing for a Steven Spielberg animated movie, but uh, I don't know how well what's that Hugo did. Which was also Hugo was not him. Oh, that was uh, Martin Scorsese. That was Martin Scorsese. But that and that wasn't computerized. That was a real movie. That wasn't computer. No. That kid's real. I think so. No, that was computerized. Wasn't computerized. I thought I think it was. So. I was that. I thought that was computer. I don't know. I honestly didn't see it. I saw it. I liked it. Hmm. Okay. But uh, Ben Kingsley was in it. Ooh. Sasha Baron Cohen, Jude Law. Yeah. Yeah, and they're listed as action. It was live action. It was live action? All right. Well, who knew? I didn't know. John did. John knew. Oh, by the way, this uh, this year's bracket was called the Begging Board Summer Movie Blockbuster Bracket Buster V Enter the Son of the Bracket, The Return. Because mm. honestly, I couldn't remember what we needed this year. <laughs> we never do. I had to look it up over on BeggingBoard.com. Uh, okay. Uh, Box Office Mojo just published their weekend os- estimates, and it's at $19.6 million opening weekend. And this Finding was- Dory, still number one, with 41.9. 
And this was up against Purge and another yeah. movie. And The Legend of Tarzan. Legend of Tarzan. The Legend of Tarzan, 38.1 million opening weekend. Um, so, How did The good. Purge do? The Purge, uh, 30.9. Uh, which is off from what it, you know, this is what, the third in the season? Third movie. Yeah, third. In they, make those for a, they make those for a dime, though. Huh, yeah. Yeah. A $10 million production budget. But that's production. $3, you can imagine about $3 for every dollar spent on production is now on marketing. I feel like they don't need to market those ones too much, though. But they do. Mm-hmm. You saw them everywhere. Like, even, like, on uh, like Hulu and stuff like that, they'd, they'd be doing that. <clears throat> it's one of the big complaints the movie studios have now. It's like they have to ca- uh, cast such a wider net in their marketing uh, just to catch enough eyeballs to make, you know, to get people to go to the theaters. Like, going to a theater is no longer that experience, and they've been trying to figure out ways to make it that experience, to do the 3D, to do, you know, the IMAX experience, to make it worthwhile. But but then they still, they charge more for those. Yeah, and people are like, I might as well stay home. Yeah, I don't need to see it yeah. like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm good, I got a 3D TV. I saw The Dark Knight. Google this on the Netflix. Yeah. I saw The Dark Knight, I saw it in the regular theater, didn't see it in the IMAX, I was fine. Mm-hmm. Didn't affect me at all. So, yeah. You going to the drive-in at all this year? Uh, no, I went for Star I went for Star Wars when that came out. Oh, yeah? I haven't gone this yeah. summer at all. I don't have time. Okay. Wedding in two weeks. Wedding in two weeks. Ah, oh, wedding. Wedding talk. I got no, no segue from wedding talk. But you did have some news, Paul. I did have some news. What was it again? I don't remember. Oh, cause... oh yeah. that uh, There's a rumor that Anna Kendrick would be willing to play Squirrel Girl in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, but this all comes from her brother-in-law, just like being like, eh, you could probably do this to be this part. And she looked at one comic and said, oh, she's just half squirrel? I could play half squirrel. <laughs> and that's all it is. There's no news, right? It's not news. That's just people chatting and being There's like, no wouldn't news. that be There's fun? No scoop. But wouldn't that be fun? Uh, and also, the other non-news news. Yeah, but Chris shared like that article and like somebody superimposed her with mm-hmm. a bunch of squirrels. She looks cute. She looks, looks cute. And the Kendrick. She's cute no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other non-news news is uh, Pixar has no plans for, for sequels after 2019. But Chris... What were you saying about this? Yeah, it doesn't say like they're not doing. It says they don't have anything planned. Because <laughs> they've got all of their movies planned out. And I mean, the production uh, time on those is so lengthy as it is. Yeah. That they're thinking about their next movies, but they're not excluding themselves from doing sequels again. It's kind of like I have no plans to go out for ice cream tonight. Doesn't mean I'm not going out for ice cream tonight. Yeah, you, you could. But... I don't have plans to do it. Yeah. But it is 4th of July weekend. I KFC for a month now. <laughs> Strange. Didn't earlier. I didn't consider it, though. I have no I'm, idea why that would be. And the thing is, is they have so many projects in the works till 2019 that, yeah, they don't have to think that far ahead because they're still working on everything else. Uh, and, you know, after 2019, they might say, well, Toy Story 5, let's go. Yeah, I don't think anyone would be surprised if the next sequel they do is Toy Story 5. Yeah, because you can't end it on an even number. I can't believe it's doing a Toy Story 4. 
Well, they, they said they weren't going to, and then they're like, oh, we, someone had an idea for one. They're like, yeah, the, let's they, do that. They left it open enough to do another one. I, I haven't seen any of the other Toy Stories. I've seen the original. That's it. I haven't seen Toy Story 2 or 3. Toy Story 2, I did. I think it wasn't as good. Didn't they do I, a Halloween I one? I actually think Toy Story 2 was better than the original one. I think they definitely amped it up a bit. What Oh, so who's the one with the, when they introduce the the chair? The okay, yeah, yeah, Jesse. And Newman plays the uh, Wayne Knight is the collector, right? Yeah, yeah. I only saw uh, two once, I think. I would, I would go back and rewatch two. It's got a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember like them running across the road and stuff. Oh I think, yeah, I think two. Yeah, I think two was a lot more fun. Three was. I really liked three. Yeah, three. I I need to see that one again. It's been a while since I checked it out, but I love three. I bet you can get a DVD package with all three movies. You probably could, and it wouldn't cost you thirty bucks. <laughs> no, <laughs> stupid Age of Ultron. Why are you still thirty dollars? Well, I just, wanted to, just wanted to watch it as I was dying on my couch. Uh, is it the combo pack between the Blu-ray, DVD, and? 3D yeah. edition? Okay. Well, it was. Can't even you? just like the base DVD was still like 25. Mm. Well, that seems ridiculous then. Like, I could imagine 20 just for the DVD, and then 25 mm. for the Blu ray, and then 30 for the combo pack. I always just buy the combo pack for no reason. Because I'm like, well, if I'm watching it in the bedroom, I only have a DVD player in the bedroom. So I want the DVD to do as well I just as the Blu-ray. I buy the combo packs because they're easier to find, and at least then I have like that digital copy if I decide I want to download it for like a flight or something. The the other thing, and I know it doesn't matter too much to you guys, but like the combo packs is where all the extra stuff is. Oh, all right. The other ones they don't have like anything to them. So I usually buy the combo packs for the extras because I love watching all that stuff and getting different commentaries and stuff. See, I was going to say, like, I don't watch that stuff anymore, but it could just be because I don't really buy that many DVDs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, honestly, Lord of the Rings extras basically killed it for all other extras <laughs> ever. Yeah, you don't you don't need any other movie extras after yeah. that. Like, they basically did everything in that movie, so mm-hmm. that's all you really have And to they watch. play Tig. Guys, why don't we play Tig anymore? We really should. We should. I love that it's all just making up rules to screw over uh, what's his face Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. Oh, wait a minute, you guys said two two sessions ago that you can't do that. You can't tig on a tog, but you can tog on a tig. But you can't back tig a tog. Stuff like that. It was crazy. If you guys, so we have no news. Yeah. Anna Kendrick's cute. That wasn't news. No. She's cute in a squirrel girl outfit. I may or may not be buying ice cream later on tonight, and uh, Pixar may or may not be making more sequels. Yeah. There we go. There you go. The vaguest news ever. (laughs) You can play beer pong on top of a Roomba. Who cares? Hey, we might not have news, but we have comic books that we're looking forward to at Mm. least. Mm. Those will be set in stone. And, Paul, what are you looking forward to? Oh, I'm looking forward to another Rebirth book. Because I'm interested in this character and how he'll be introduced and how he'll get along with the rest of the DC universe. And that's the new Superman. And uh, he's being introduced in Superman, or nope, 
Sorry, Justice League Rebirth yeah, number one. Say, I, thought you, I thought you were doing Justice League. Yeah, I am doing Justice League Rebirth number one. He's also has his no, uh, his own new Superman number one coming out as well. But uh, I kind of want to see the interaction of the other characters first and see how he fits into the DC universe. Uh, because I'm not all that interested in this character because it seems like... Uh, you know, with DC, a lot of these times what happens is they'll introduce a new a new uh, character or a new take on a character. Ooh. And then they'll be like, never mind. You know, Ray Troy, remember him? The Atom. And they're like, ah, Kyle Rayner. They've done it too now recently. Uh, we're finally getting Wally back after five years. So, no, but, I mean, uh, they are bringing back Ryan Choi, though. No, but I'm thinking, is this the next of that character that DC brings up? We get him for like three years, and then he's going to be just kind of forgotten about, put to the wayside, on the shelf, it's, and then like it's every character except for the big, the big, big three. seven. Yeah, I mean, you can well, even say the same three. thing for Marvel. Like they introduce characters and they go away, but then some other writer comes back with those fond memories and is like, I want to want to do this story. But so quick. It's, it seems like such a quick cycle over at DC. That's what I'm saying. That I, I, I hardly get a feel for that character before they just like go, But here's no. the thing is, if they introduce him now and then you get three years of the character, that's almost 50 issues. You know, that's... 36 books. Yeah. It's almost 50. <laughs> yeah, well, it's two <laughs> years away from 50. It's, it's, well, it's over the halfway point. It's like saying the uh, when I go I clock out of work on Wednesday that it's almost the weekend. No, I still got two more days left, man. Yeah, but it's almost it's almost, it's almost weekend. That's why it's someday. No, I, I can understand what you're saying though because it is a really quick turnaround time. <laughs> like, did but Ryan Choi from the publishing aspect after they introduce these characters, they've only got a couple months to really grab someone's attention and hold them on as a reader. <laughs> and if those numbers start to slip or like drop. They, they need to do something that's going to put those books back out on the stands in people's hands. And reverting back to the previous characters, that's what's going to do it, usually. Mm-hmm. Because the writer who's coming on to that book may not have a story for that character, but has a story for the older character. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, it's goes in cycles, because that next guy coming on is going to be like, no, I have a story for this character. And I'm going to do the younger version. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Zombie, who I really liked. 12 issues both times. Uh, the, no, he did, a, he did a huge, long super series uh, back How long in the did 90s. Zombie go? The, the, the remake, when he brought it back, that was only, what, six issues? Yeah. And then the first one was... I'm looking it up. He, he, John, what, what's your book? Uh, my book is going to be a new number one from Image Comics, and this is Throwaways number one. Um, this is a book about disposable assassins. Uh, these assets are brought in to do a mission, and after they've killed their, you know, the the hit, are just supposed to die themselves. And this is going to follow two characters uh, who are kind of their lives are in shamble, who agree to do this. But towards the end of it, the end of their hit, decide maybe they don't want to die now, and the consequences that are going to happen with that. Mm-hmm. They, but so it's a Suicide Squad. Uh, well, no, it's a uh, disposable assassins. It's like Scud. What's Scud? Scud, the disposable, the disposable assassin. assassin. Oh. 
Oh, the missile dude. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But it's it's these characters who are not a lot's going on in their life. They're getting paid to do a to do a hit and to die while doing it, and then they decide maybe they don't want to die. Like Joe versus the volcano. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Tom Hanks movie, Paul. Yeah, I know that one. Paul, Paul okay. He 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 thinks the lights give him a headache and he can't work. Oh, I hated that guy so much. But he turns into such a great guy by the end of it. Because yeah, so. he versed, he beat the volcano. Yeah, he did totally beat that volcano. Chris, what book are you being? Uh, I'm actually looking forward to a book that I thought John was going to pick. So when he said he was looking forward to a new number one, I was like, oh, this is going to be the one. Uh, but this is actually coming out from Dark Horse Comics, and this is Bounty number one. And this is written by Rat Queen's creator, Curtis Weeby, with art by Mindy Lee. Uh, this is the story of the Gadflies, a team of uh, intergalactic criminals who now have a bounty out on their head, so they abandon their personas and become bounty hunters as well. Hmm. Um, hmm. The art, it reminds me a lot of Babs Tar. It's that kind of brighter, pastel cartooniness. Um, I think it's going to be a really good juxtaposition alongside the crazy galactic CD underbelly story. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one. What's it called again? I'm sorry. Bounty. Bounty. Oh, is that by the uh, Requins dude? It uh, it is. Were you not listening? To I was not. I was reading I, about zombies still. You literally just said all that. <laughs> oh man, I needed a roundup. Um, <laughs> this is a limited series, uh, only ten issues long. So this is actually the first Dark Horse book that I'm looking forward to in a while. <laughs> You know, I clicked on this, I saw the cover, and I said, eh, maybe not for me, and then went back. So I didn't even read who was doing it or what was going on with the book. I just looked at the cover and was like, maybe not this week. See, uh, I saw the cover and I thought it was Babs Tar, honestly, so that's what made me click on it. And then I saw from the mind behind Rackmeans, I was like, oh, cool. And I read about it, I was like, oh, that sounds fun. The Zombie's first volume was 22 issues. Okay. And it's when it got rebirthed, it had another six. So it had 28 issues. So almost 24. <laughs> That's what. Almost two years. Almost two years. Which is almost 50. No. no. 36 is almost 50? Yeah. 26. It's not even closer close. than 24 is. Mm-mm. <laughs> Paul, we got a lot of beer to drink. We got a lot of beer to drink. And you need to finish that one up. All right. We'll we'll take a quick pause here as we pour our next beer. Chris, how's your coffee? Good. (laughs) And, John, what are you bringing to the table here? I am bringing something that I said I would never buy, and that is another Firestone Walker beer. And um, the reason I picked this up is because, uh, kind of like the Enjoy Buys, Firestone has started doing that with their Luponic Distortion. This is a revolving hop series. Mm -hmm. This is volume two of that hop series. And uh, this was brewed 6916. It says on the bottle, drink within 90 days. Uh Uh-huh. Wait, 6916. Did I say 19? I I don't know. Because you're burying the lead. What kind of hop is this? Uh, Oh, It should say right on the bottle, right? Yeah. you know what? It doesn't say. What? And uh, when you go back and you you look at one, they don't say what hops they're using in that. And uh, they don't say at all in this. Even if you go online and look, they really don't give too much. So what are they doing? Okay. So you're a craft beer company. 
I grant Grant, they're they're from where? They're from the United Kingdom? You no, I'm always thinking they're that. They're from California. The they're from California? They they got the Union Jack and all that bullshit and they're from California and <laughs> this is a weird thing to get mad at them about. <laughs> I'm mad about everything right now. But this is like an ever-evolving mix of experimental hops designed to deliver mind-blowing flavors that break the rules with each new release. The unique revolution number on the label tells you which release you have in hand. Crack fresh and enjoy the show. But they don't say what kind of hop. What I like about um, you know what uh, what Founders is doing with their hop series, what uh, Single Cut does, what... Uh, is it who else does it? Uh, Otter Creek or Great Divide? It's they Great, have. Uh, wasn't it Great Divide? They gave you the recipe so you could brew it at home. Yeah, uh, it did something similar. And there was it, this. Who does the single cut series? Uh, Long Trail or Long Trail? Okay, that's not single cut brewery, but Long Trail. But Single Cut also has it, where they do one malt, one hop, and they release it, and you can. And they do a different style with that beer. But you get to know the flavor profiles of those hops. So as a, this, you know, you can kind of develop as a beer snob, I guess, because that's all it is, is, you know, it's my beer snobbery, I guess, is coming out right now, where I want to, I want to know the hop so I can, so I can sound more intelligent when I review it on I don't know the internet, when I scream into the void. <laughs> when we do a weekly podcast. Yeah. yeah this is, um, a little underwhelming, flavor-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely very earthy, very kind of dank. On the nose, it's like grass clippings. Mm-hmm. See, I, I like the. I think it has a nice bright pop up front. It's that middle palate and aftertaste that what you're saying is dank. I'm saying is a little at, acrid, um, and uh, it's not very pleasing. But it's nice up front, nice pop of that, you know, that uh, piney kind of hop, which, but it's light and not overpowering. So I was like, oh, this might be good. And then I let it sit on my palate for a little while and just turns on me and I'm like, ugh. And this is uh, just a single bottle. I didn't buy the six pack. I just bought a single bottle of it. So maybe it says more on the package or maybe it says more on the fourth bottle. (laughs) But yeah, it would be nice. You got to get a couple under your belt before they they (laughs) let you know. But it, it would be nice to know what the, and without having to really, really search, mm-hmm. find out what the mix is. I mean, if you said, like, this is, these three hops, we're leading with this hop and using these malts, mm-hmm. then you go, okay, so this is when you dry hop with Citra, but you're wet hopping with Warrior. Okay. Okay. Wow. For, for everybody listening. Can you explain the difference between what, what, why why would you use two different hops during this process? Uh, with the wet hop, that's in the what, what in is the, in wet the, hop versus dry hop. In the when you're doing um, your kind of wet when you're boiling your beer, mm-hmm. you're going to use your you know, a, a, a hop to kind of flavor. Your dry hopping happens after the process. You add dry hop to, after the after the tape. brewing process. Okay. Um, later on, you add kind of your dry hopping process, and that's going to add the notes of scent okay. that you're going to get. Okay. And uh, obviously it's going to change some of the flavor. Mm-hmm. But usually the you're going to get your main flavor from the wet hopping. Okay. So wet hop de- derives the most flavor. Dry hopping adds notes and aromas. Yes. 
wet hop is during the actual brewing process. Dry the hopping boi- comes like the boil. The boil to make the mash. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Making the mesh? And then the dry hop is after that's complete to just You're adding you're adding more hops to it. Like mm-hmm. with sixty, ninety, and hundred twenty, that's how long they dry hop it. Oh. So hundred and twenty minutes of dry hopping, sixty minutes of dry hopping, ninety minutes of dry hopping, seventy five. Like mm-hmm. all the different all the different variations and times. Hey, that's good information. I think that I I think that is information that is nice to have. Much like what kind of hops I'm drinking when you say you're doing a rotational hop series on your damn bottle. Step your game up, Firewalker, Firestone Walker. And this is why I don't like this beer company. No, no I mean, it would be nice to know Wookie exactly. Wookie Jack is still one of my favorite beers. I mean, with a... It's a black rye IPA. It's really good. It's always released. It's something you can find readily available. It's not overly priced for what it is. It's it will never touch the fourteen. Uh, it's because anniversary fourteen ale, but it's going to get me the closest I can get. And I, I so for that, I'm glad Firestone's around and in business. But uh, yeah, I wish they would do some something just a little bit better. They always seem. To swing for the, uh, the fences and often strike out. Baseball terms, guys. Baseballing. Yeah, sports. Sportings. John is looking something up well, frantically. Like no, well, I went onto their website and then they say, like on there, they say they're using seven different hop varieties. Um, they're using Pacific Northwest varieties. And to add aromas like ripe peaches, berries, tropical fruits, but they still don't give you. So what's rotating in and out? What's the rotation? Is it seven different ones that they're rotating through, like and just changing up the process of when they're adding them, or are they rotating the actual seven hops? You're like all a whole new team of seven, or is it just like a uh, like a volleyball rotation where it's the same seven, just in the process they're doing it at different times, using those hops at different times, from either the wet hopping or the dry hopping. I don't. They just give you a. T- I just zip tied this around my thumb because I was so and annoyed. You, you can't get it off now. Yeah. <laughs> I have it. I was playing with a zip tie. I was so frustrated. I stopped paying attention to how or what I was doing with it, and I just zip tied my thumb because. Ugh. Hey, that's that's how I Mark. get myself cut on the metal. <laughs> See, it happens, Paul. I know. Uh, you go on the website. You got to keep clicking on different things. They never give you the actual information. You keep having to go. Oh, click on this to learn more about the uh, distortion will evolve or, and revolve every ninety days. Plug in. Learn how to how the hop revolution and power of. Luponic, you know, you just got like, So their website, they're, they're, they're treating their beer like a BuzzFeed article. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I keep having to click on things, and I'm like, I don't feel like clicking anymore. Yeah, I'm and done. Says, it says rotating hop series, and it shows you a bunch of hops, and then it doesn't say anything about those. Even if I can't believe it, the, fourth, what, the fourth story of the child actor that I no longer care about whatever happened to him, I'm not going to get to number four. I just don't care no. enough. Yeah, I, I hate listicles. Yeah, I'll get one to of the Disney websites that I follow. I actually just stopped reading because I, I realized that every single article they put up was one of those like five things that you need to look forward to. 
I know. Number two, you won't believe. Then make that number one. Yeah, I mean, or make it number five. You know, it's like uh, I can't get to them because the first one, I'm like, no, come on. Yeah, and all these things, they don't say what hops are using, but then they're like, we used a hop from Germany to give it this note. Top five ways that you've been brewing tea all wrong. Number one, you need to first heat up the water. Top five. Really? Top That's five, your number top one. Top five hops where you think we're using, but we're not. Uh, this is, it's not, it's not a great IPA. You're not getting anything special out of this. They're making something special, but you're not even getting the information of knowing what the special mix is that they're doing. Do you think this is an IPA that they tried brewing? It didn't turn out quite right, so they're like, hey, let's just keep on futzing with this until we get it right, Heinz 57 variety style, but just keep on releasing it and saying, hey, we're rotating it. And once we find out what we actually like, we'll actually package that up as its own beer and start selling it for real. I think they saw what what Stone was doing with the Enjoy Buys mm-hmm. de- decided they'd do their own. Our, I mean, this has a, like a little like a Pilsner dryness mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, like it's definitely different. But give me the information of what I'm I should be looking for in this. I don't think they know. I think they they just threw, I think this is a the cold noodle against the fridge to see if it's ready or not. And they're like, ah, well, we'll just bottle up and sell it. We're paying for a beta test right now. This is this is paid beta testing for their brewer, brewery. I think you're right. I think it's just a cash grab. Yeah, that's right. We said that. Because always like Long Trail, when they do that, they tell you the malt and the thing you're... It makes it seem like they're that's their aim for that beer. Yeah. This, when they're not telling you this kind of information, it seems like they just like kind of fudged up a recipe, and they decided to sell it anyways, and they're like going to put it under this label, and they're going to keep on working at it. And they're so going to keep like, fudging it. Yeah. And number one. Uh, number two, iteration number three. Maybe we'll find a beer we like and that people will actually like. We'll just keep on throwing it at the wall. And once we hear a lot of feedback that, oh, number seven was great, we'll just keep brewing number seven. I'm, I'm annoyed. I feel like you pay, you bought a beta-tested bottle. I, I agree. And I think it's a lot different than how I feel with what I get from um enjoy by and even in the enjoy by they don't tell you exactly the hops that they use but they say they're using 12 different hops or they're using mm-hmm. this they're adding tangerine they're adding this for this note that's okay. but they give you the notes that you should be looking for on the bottle mm-hmm. okay like so at saying, least you you know up front like what you're almost what what you should be expect when you're buying this you, you have a clue even when you go on the website they don't they just give you vague notions of what they're doing mm-hmm. This is their runoff. This is their runoff from another beer. Yeah, it it sounds like it. And they bottled it. Firestone, come at it. You know, you can be on the show. Just uh, find us over on uh, Facebook and (laughs) post how wrong we are and to come in and explain your process because I would love to know. I I would love to know how you can make such a great beer. (laughs) Wookie Jack. And then keep on selling us this crap. So... Paul's angry. Uh, Paul's very angry. <laughs> and I refer to myself in the third person. Is your blood sugar up? You, you have I have no Paul's. iron. I have no iron in my blood anymore. I'm eating too many Paul's donuts. Eating too much Paul's... Yeah. Having too much blood sugar, not enough iron. Oh, I'm crashing, guys. I'm crashing. Chris, save me. What are we doing next? Dramatic reading. Oh. Yeah, I can't introduce it. 
You got to do that. Oh. And now, a dramatic reading from DC Comics, KFC, Colonel Core, page three, panel four. Oh, it's a way of life. I'm calling it the recolonization of Earth. And that was a dramatic reading from DC Comics, KFC, Colonel Coors, panel, page three, panel four. Get ready for I, your 4th of July picnics, everybody. I hate that I didn't know this book came out. This book was free, and we could have done it for the look back. This isn't a book so much as a 19-page advertisement for KFC, but it's a great advertisement for your- <laughs> Even just reading this panel made me want Kentucky Fried Chicken for lunch or dinner whenever I wind up eating it today. It has Colonel Grodd in it. That's right, the KFC Colonel Gorilla Grodd. And don't worry, this is a free book. You can get it off of Comixology. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I would only a, get it free. There's a link to it in the show notes for this episode, so you should go look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I will probably wind up talking about it at some point Episo- further in depth, whether it's like a not episode or something. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I need to discuss this book because I love when comics do these stupid tie-ins with fast food mm-hmm. or other companies. Uh, uh, Chris, spoiler alert. On Bizarro World, they go to K. Uh, they go to CFK, not KFC. Whoa! Chicken fried Kentucky. How, would, how many secret herbs and spices do they have there? Uh, uh, they still have eleven. I was gonna say, is it still eleven? Because it's 11, still eleven. Because yeah, I thought you were gonna dramatic. say like in Bizarro World, like chicken eats you. <laughs> That's right. I was going. No, in the post-apocalyptic world Russia? of like uh, in Russia, <laughs> chicken eats you. And uh, that would be uh, that would be Red Sun. Uh, world that that happens in uh, the post-apocalyptic Gamandi uh, uh, world uh, there is a chicken chaos in Ooh. Colonel Sanders and a cheetah flash cheetah flash yeah. it's fun it's it's a, it's, a, it's an absurdly like I, fun book I feel like I don't even need to read the book now well no you don't you know why because we just bagged and board reviewed skewed it up and you're not going to need to read it because I'm going to, and then I'm going to talk all about it at some point. Oh, like, page by page breakdown. It's going to be so good. Hey, we have a lot of drinking to do coming up, so I mean, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of just dumb talk. Hey, let's keep the dumb talk going with our main topic, shall we? Yeah, um, set up at the beginning of the show. This is our June 2016 look back, and it's going to be, well, all DC stuff because, hey, we just had Rebirth launch. Yeah, yeah, and this is something that we've been looking, f- we've been interested in, and then reading Rebirth that we reviewed last month for the look back. We've been excited to see what they're going to do with Rebirth, mm-hmm. with all of these characters, because there's, there's uh, a lot of stuff coming out. I feel like I've read more DC within the past month than I've read over the past year, honestly. Oh, I, I think that's definitely true for me as well. Um, this is... Well, because I want to see which ones... They, unlike uh, the New 52, where they kind of said, well, we're restarting a lot of the continuity, but it was kind of like this half-disjointed kind of thing where, yeah, Batman's only been active for five years, but he still had time to train like eight different Robins, but some of them that weren't really trained, but some of them were... Like, all of that continuity, you couldn't tug on that string too hard. 
of continuity because it would quickly unravel. Here in Rebirth, they're bringing back the full legacy. So you got the room, you got the space to breathe. And I just want to know the flavor, the, 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 the idea, the, the, how they're bringing back the fun to the DC universe. Um, one of my favorite things out of these books is at the very end of each issue, there's that poster, the one kid holding on to DC Universe Rebirth number one in front of a giant Superman billboard of Superman, like Superman Rebirth number one. And it just says simply, heroes now more than ever, you know. And I think that's, re- I really like that. I want my DC heroes to be heroes, you know. And because I think, you know, it's it's a difficult time. You know? I think we were all excited for New 52. Um mm-hmm. We had a lot of good stuff come out of it. Some not so good stuff. Some stuff that was pretty forgettable. I think uh, I, what uh, I, I feel better about Rebirth, even just after reading DC Rebirth number one, mm-hmm. that set me up to be like, okay, like this is this is going to be cool. I mean, Flashpoint was very disjointed, and it set the stage kind of on uneven footing. And I think we kind of got that coming out of it. Yeah, uh, the one thing coming into New 52, what I was excited about was, okay, this is how DC is going to kind of steer into the DC cinematic universe. They're going to clean up their continuity. They're going to make it their characters younger, funner, and lighter. They're not going to have all that weight on them. And they didn't quite deliver on that. Well, I mean, in a way... And then the DC universe... In a way, they were trying to bring those characters kind of into the present. (laughs) And, I mean, they did that by making... Clark Kent worked for a blog and yeah. not the Daily Planet. But he also did work for the Daily Planet, but he quit to go start his own blog. I think he was fired. Yeah, he might have been. Uh, yeah, so this is trying to get back to the thing that we fell in love with mm-hmm. in the in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. When we started reading comics again and we were open to anything, DC Comics made us a DC comic mm-hmm. podcast. Like it was something that we read more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of what these com what the comic book companies do is they kinda of go in waves where one's doing really good, the other one doesn't seem like it's doing that, and then they flip flop. Mm-hmm. Because we became a Marvel podcast, you know what, like two years ago, a year ago, mm-hmm. where all we were really reading were Marvel books and we were loving them. Yeah, but the, but not the Marvel Marvel books, the side Marvel books that were and the slice of life Marvel books that we really were enjoying, or, or the ones that were telling their own stories, not the because we we still couldn't get into like the sieges and the fear itself and stuff like that. No, but I mean that, that's not their everyday thing. Mm-hmm. And I think we would dip our toe in their everyday kind of books. And yeah. I was reading Doctor Strange for a while, but then I just kind of was like, I'm going to wait for trades. I don't read them quick enough to really enjoy them. I buy them and then I hold on to them. Yeah. But we're back, and we're into it. And yeah. which book are we starting with? Um, I'm I'm actually going to start off kind of alphabetically with the books that I'm bringing to the table today. So we're actually going to kick it off with Aquaman Rebirth number one. Mm-hmm. And this is written by Dan Abnett with art by Oscar Jimenez. And Aquaman's kind of the book that I went back to and revisited the most over the New 52. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started off really strong with Jeff Johns and Ivan Reese on the book, and I'm, I enjoyed it. Then I fell off of it, and then I got back into it like down the road later because it was tying into Justice League with the Throne of Atlantis, and then after that I fell off of it. Then I got back in again later, um, 
and I always kind of enjoyed it. It just there wasn't enough there to keep me present in the book. So when they said, "Hey, Rebirth Number One, written by Dan Abbott," I was looking forward to that. I liked what he was doing on Titans Hunt at the tail end of the New Fifty Two, trying to bring the Teen Titans back together. I appreciate everything that he's done over in the Marvel Universe with setting up the more cosmic stuff. I mean, he gave us the Guardians of the Galaxy that pretty much everybody knows and loves now. We wouldn't have that Marvel franchise if it wasn't for him and Andy Lanning, his Mm -hmm. uh, past writing partner. So him coming over to Aquaman is something that I was really excited for. And what this book is, this is Aquaman more as that head of state, playing the king, and dealing with a terrorist organization known as the Deluge. Um, in a something I can only describe as very Silver Agey, it reads like a 1960s Aquaman book, but with a little bit more modern sensibility. Um, everything from the story itself, with these people riding around on giant like sea crocagator things—I don't know what they're exactly called—spouting uh, out just huge statements. Aquaman responding in type. It's a very wordy book, and then the comic book captions actually capture that Silver Age feeling as well. I, I don't think it was my favorite book that I read, but after I went back and re, uh, revisited for today's episode, I felt a little bit better about it, because I think I was kind of thrown off when I first dipped my toe into it, so to speak. I really, I mean, this book is a zero issue through and through. This is letting you know absolutely everything that happened in the past five years or a little bit more to let you know mm-hmm. everything that's going on. And it is very wordy. And by the end of it, you feel caught up. And I think if you already knew that history, Everything in this book felt really redundant, mm-hmm. aside from knowing about the deluge and the bottom dwellers and stuff like that. Redundant's probably the best word for it, because if you read the new 52 Aquaman number one by Jeff Johns, you basically had the same issue with him sitting in a seafood restaurant by the waterside, them talking about how he's the king of Atlantis, and here's his power set, mm-hmm. here's how it works. It doesn't work like you think, he's actually a badass. He commands fish. He doesn't talk to them. Come on, people. It's so close to that that Mm -hmm. as I was reading this, I did keep thinking back to the New 52, and I was like, that was the same issue, but a little bit more solid. I like the setup. What differs from that uh, that story and this one, though, is the the, uh, placement of where Mara is. Mm -hmm. And I like this placement. She's she's willing to overcome any obstacles because she loves Arthur Curry and uh, at, 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 when they're sitting at that seafood place and she's like ah, I don't really like this chowder but and he's like well I don't want to ask you to do anything that you don't want to do and she's like you never ask and you never need to because my I will always give of myself everything that I'm willing to give because I love you so much and I love that relationship you know and that's yeah. in, even it's in, a great partnership right even there. in the I think what was it like in last year with the Aquaman book where she dethroned him and mm-hmm. took over the thing. And she's like, I still love you. I love you unconditionally, but you're the enemy of Atlantis right now. Like I have to either take you in or kill you. Mm-hmm. 
because you know wh- where do I lie? Do I lie completely to you, or do I lie to the kingdom that mm-hmm. I'm now ruling? So it's very interesting the dynamics of those characters. They always seem like they're always deeply in love, and it's where the writer wants that to lie. Is yeah, it where, closer where, to the being an Atlantean, or is it closer yeah. to being where where they set that uh, that uh, sliding scale? Yeah, like some of these, and like I mean, we'll definitely mention it. Some of these books feel like zero issues where they're catching you up, and some feel like number ones. Yeah. And um, this is definitely a letting you know book. I wouldn't say it's bad, but because I read so much of the Jeff Johns book, because I feel like I know so much about Aquaman and Mera and all that, that it was long-winded to read this. Well, also, I mean, there's so much to read in it that I feel like that really contributed to that as well. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until the end when we get the Aquaman and Mara stuff that I felt a little bit more ingrained in the book. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, spoilers always in effect when we talk about our look-back books. Right at the end with Black Manta appearing, too, I was like, okay, now now I'm more excited for Aquaman. I still don't know if I'm going to pick up Aquaman number one. It came out, I think, last week, and I passed on it, because I just kind of want to sit back and think about this one a little bit more before I... I don't want to say have to buy a book, but mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if it's something that I really need yet. I would be more inclined two ways and, and for two reasons to pick up Aquaman number one. Because this book was just a catch-up book, I would pick up number one to see if it's telling me anything new or it's continuing on in the story I really liked. The other thing that would get me without a doubt, to pick up number one is if that Black Manta was the Aqualad. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking. Fallen, like, and I was like, oh, man, if that was true, I'm there. That would be awesome if it was the Aqualad turned Black Manta, who was Black Manta's son. Anyways, yeah. Anyways, that would have gotten me go, oh, man. Just I like in Young Justice. That. Yeah. And it would have... It would have made the book. It would have made this retelling of what's happened in the last five years more interesting because then you got to find out, well, what happened there? What happened to this? What's going on? This is a major story change. You know, this is a this is a major play in this book. Yeah. Um, this is a twist. Yeah. Because right now there doesn't seem to be a twist. This was just a resetting of the stage. Yeah. So I would be. I wouldn't even say like a resetting. It's just like a reshuffling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would be more. I would be interested to see where they take it, but it would not go past Aquaman number one mm-hmm. if they don't really do something interesting. Agreed. Uh, what I was missing from this book because you got Mara, that's you know kind of Arthur's like toe in the waters of Atlanta, Atlantis, right? I kind of wish that Aquaman's dad was still around. At that, you know, just always looking out, like, he's out there, he's the one person on the land that Arthur Curry goes back to that really has a connection with. Because I don't understand, like, yeah, he spent, you know, he was raised on land, kind of. You're talking about Flash. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess so. Because, uh... You didn't read Flash. I didn't read the Flash, number one. Flash is like, 
I always go back to my dad. He's my sounding board. And then they have this moment where he talks to his dad about it all. Well, yeah, I want. That's exactly what I want. <laughs> so I wanted an Aquaman too. I, I would like that you know, because right now I don't know why. But in he, our- he's seen as an outsider to. Atlantis, but he has Mara to be his tie in there, and then he sees like an outsider to. But Aquaman's the world. never had his father. Black Mana kills yeah. his father, which then he kills Black Mana, and then Black Mana's son then hates and wants to kill Aquaman. Hmm. Like that's the storyline. That's the thread that's between it. those two characters. Yeah. So and no matter how much of a tie that Mara is to Atlantis for him, Atlantis still views him as an outsider. Right. Humanity Even, looks at him as an outsider because he's half Atlantean. Like mm-hmm. he's kind of always going to have to dwell in between those two worlds because as soon as he starts to veer towards either end of that spectrum, the character just kind of—I don't want to say—becomes lost in it. But mm-hmm. well, that's what I'm saying. He 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 can't veer either way. But he has that on that spectrum of Atlantis. He has Mara on that side, and he doesn't have that counterpart from the surface world. No, I, I he, think he doesn't need it though because he's. He's lived in that world. Okay. And that's and that's what I was just going to say. It, okay. His connection is being raised on land is his connection. He is of both worlds. Mm-hmm. And it's the water world that is the later half of his life that he doesn't even feel like he belongs there. Okay. But you can he, even look at Superman kind of in the same way. I mean, he was raised as an Earthling but lives as a Kryptonian. And, but he goes up to the Fortress of Solitude, speaks to Jor-El Ghost, you know? Yeah. And, he, and he, and Aquaman, goes to Atlantis, and he speaks to the fish. No, he speaks to different generals uh, and different uh, yeah. characters who are a tie for him. Right, yeah, right, to Atlantis. But I'm talking back to the surface world. You surface know? Yeah, world? That's surface why they world. showed him getting fucking clam chowder in a... In a yeah. in whoa, whoa, whoa. Just chowder. Just chowder. It's just chowder. But just chat. Most likely clam, because, I mean, it's a seaside restaurant. And he knows the waitress there. Like, he's... Mm-hmm. Like, he's a regular. He her as a first name. Like, he, she calls him Arthur. Like, he mm-hmm. he has his feet more on Earth than he does okay. on water. He doesn't walk into that restaurant in a change of clothes. He walks in as Aquaman. Yeah, they always have to wipe down the seats that he's sitting in, because, you know... He doesn't even dry... He doesn't have a towel. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris, dries, I stepped on you. <laughs> you think he just dries real quick? Like he just quickly, he just stands out in the sun, like oh, okay, I'm, I'm dry enough. <laughs> he can fly. I guess he he's can got, fly up. He has like a flash ring, but instead of like the costume coming out, a towel comes out for him, and he dries himself off just quickly, quickly dry off. Still smells like fish. Just... If you haven't read Aquaman and you want to a jumping on point, this book lets you know everything that you missed. This is a zero <laughs> issue. And that's, I think that's, that's enough. That's it. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what it delivers. I would agree. All right. What's your next book, Chris? Uh, next one, alphabetically, would be Batman Rebirth, number one. And this is written by Tom King with Scott Snyder, art by Michael Janin. Uh, this feels like the Scott Snyder Batman that we've been getting. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the Mr. Freeze annual where they're reintroducing a classic member of the Batman's Row gallery. This time it's Calendar Man, but with like a creepy twist on it. I stopped reading Grayson, but as soon as I started reading this one, I realized how much I like that Michael Jannon art. It's 
it's a great creepy book and I'm kind of sad that this isn't going to be the book that I'm going to be getting from the rest of Rebirth because the actual Batman book is being written by Tom King no problems with that but the art's by David Finch who I just don't care for artistically and then over on All-Star Batman we have Scott Snyder writing for uh, what's his name John Romita Jr., who I also don't care for on art. Well, isn't Scott Snyder going to have a revolving artist every month, a different artist? No, it's like the first, I think, six issues are... Romita? Romita, and then like uh, someone else is coming on to like, take over, and then it's... That fucking sucks. <laughs> I mean, I'm just... Spoilers for like the next book we'll be talking about. I'm just glad I have Detective Comics to be my Batman book now. Um, because but, I really <laughs> do want to keep up on Batman, mm-hmm. especially because they are bringing Duke Thomas, the character that Scott Snyder created in the Zero Year arc. He was made a little bit more solid part of the Batman family in the We Are Robin book that was coming out. I really like seeing Duke. I want to see him alongside Alfred and Bruce, but I don't know if I want to see that relationship enough to be buying those other two books that I don't think I'm going to care for too much. Can, can I just say something about this Duke Thomas character? Is no. Batman says, no, no, no. You're definitely not going to be Robin, dude. I'm not going to train you to be Robin. I'm trying something completely new. Here, get dressed up in this totally garishly bright costume that has a bat yeah, on it instead of an it's arm. It's not a Robin costume, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's totally not a Robin costume. It's just it more bright. like bat than anything else. Well, it's just I, bright yellow. I as thought, if, I thought, hey, take a I shot thought he was going to give him a bat wing suit until he gave him a motorcycle suit yeah. that's all yellow. Like, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. It really looks odd. And I don't know if he's meant to be more of just not someone who's in the field fighting with them, but in the field just giving him a hand with things. Like uh, it, it seems like they are going to be setting him up as like a support character until he kind of wasn't that going to be becomes Batwing. <laughs> but wouldn't that got to be Bluebird? And the other thing is, if this is what you're doing with this character, why isn't he in Detective Comics? He will be. I, I think we'll see him there at some point. Yeah. Um, because he's the one that he's going to be on the ground. He's going to be one of the soldiers fighting. He has to be. But then, like, I don't know, introduce him there. Yeah, that, I would, that seems like a better thing to introduce but him with. Maybe I, I think that for, I I don't want to talk about Detective Comics too much, but I feel like there was enough introduced in Detective Comics. Uh, what was it nine thirty five, nine thirty four? Sorry, yep. nine thirty five was one that came out last week, uh, where you can't put anything else in there because it's already a lot of setup for what what's going to be happening in that book i mean you've got batman coming to batwoman you've got them introducing orphan red robin spoiler and clayface so it's like five scenes of them just getting together and then you have the end where they're like all right here we go boot camp time yeah and also another costume complaint i have is orphan which is basically, uh, it's the Batgirl costume she used to wear, except without the ears. It's With, like, without uh, the ears, without the cape, because she's but it's, not it's still Batgirl. recognizable, though. Yeah, it's recognizable, but it's like really orphan, and then just, well, I, they introduced her in Batman and Robin Eternal. Mm-hmm. She was a major player in that, so they're bring, 
they're bringing the character that everybody wanted. Yeah. But you can't call her bad girl because we have a bad girl. I know. You can't have that. So she's the, you know, or we have four different Robins now. Does it? You don't. We are Robin. We had like eight different Robins. We are Robin still around. They they weren't actual like sanctioned completely Robins. Like that was Alfred's like side project. That was his jazz funk. (laughs) Jazz funk thing that he did in the That is train wreck of his tenacious D. Is that what you're saying? It's, I mean, we yeah, we have a bunch of Robins, but I do appreciate the fact that they are trying to separate all of these characters and not have them have to fall under one moniker. And I think I think it works. I mean, I don't need to have another Batgirl. I'm really looking forward to Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to have Cassandra Kane back, and it works for how they set her up as, like, that offshoot from, like, the mother program. Okay, I'm and confused. What, which episode, which issue are we talking about right now? Well, we, you, yeah, we, we, we jumped. We, we kind of segued. Okay. Um, get back to Batman. I, I really love this issue. If this came out as Scott Snyder, Batman number, I can't even remember what number we left off on, like, mm-hmm. 32 or whatever it was. 50 I'd be like, awesome. Like, this is another great book in a continuing line of great books from Scott Snyder and whoever he's writing or drawing with at that time the setup for this being the like i guess premiere for the rest of the rebirth mm-hmm. i i don't like because those other books are going to be so different even if they are by like the same writing team same characters appearing in it it's not going to have the same feel and the same punch it's an issue one mm-hmm. doesn't feel like a zero issue introducing a character but just introducing the character and not giving you a reason to like or want that character. Which which character, yeah, are, which you character are you talking about? Julian uh, Day? <laughs> no, that was kind of cool. No, uh, Yellow Bat Guy? Do we oh, have Duke, a name? Yeah, Duke. 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 Duke's yeah, been around for like the past couple years, though. Yeah, but not in a way that you would know who this guy really is. And they don't give that character a name. It's just... Guy, you know, Duke in the yellow suit. And they I would... Talk, they talk about how he kind of came in a little bit. Like, there's only a couple panels, but... You, I you, think they are operating in the idea that if you are a Batman reader, you are familiar with who this character is. And if you are not a Batman reader, and you're just picking this up because it's the number one, they give you just that enough to go on. Like, the book's not about him. It's more focused just on Bruce Wayne getting back into it. In his new younger self, but in a way, it and should an, be uh, about something like an, an awesome Calendar Man story. Yeah, that stuff was good, and in the few panels that they show of that character and how they speak of him, they give you a way to like they they in a, just a few panels make you go, oh, that's awesome. With Duke, you don't even know what that char- what his character is called. And I feel like that's where they're missing. Like, you're missing more moments to understand who and why this character is. And yes, you should, you know, if you're following this story, you should know exactly who he is from Zero Year and and things like that. But you should, even me, who read all of those, wasn't exactly sure. And the fact that his parents were also caught up in the Joker zombie craze thing of you know uh, Endgame 
Like, I know those things, but I still don't care about that character. And they gave me no reason to care about that, but they gave me all the reason to be like, Calendar Man's awesome! (laughs) Well, this, like I said, I think these Batman books are going to be about him earning his place in, in like that army of Batman's lieutenants. You're not going to have him like right off the bat having like an identity. I think it's going to be one of those things like issue number four, we're going to get him jumping out of the helicopter in costume, like with his name and like big block lettering, like whatever it's going to be. Yeah. But this is, this is the setup for him. And you're going to have them showing you why you should care about him over the next like couple of issues. But this issue as you even said, this issue should make you want to read number two. And you said, this is not going to be my Batman book. Yeah. Is this going to well, be and, anybody's and Batman book? The only reason it's not going to be, though, is because of the artists that are taking over for All-Star Batman and Batman. It's There's not enough... Bat money to I, go it's around? say this way, quality to the... Oh, there's there's Bat money to go around. <laughs> okay. I, I, can, I can buy a Batman book. You got I plenty of Bat money? <laughs> it's just the fact that with... David Finch and John Romita Jr. on artwork, I'm not going to yeah. be buying those books. Yeah. And it's just nothing against them. It's all personal preference. I, I don't care for their art styles. If it was anyone else on those books, like Michael Jannon or Greg Capullo, yeah, I'd, I'd be there on both of them. Mm-hmm. Like, even if it was, um, I forget who's doing Detective Comics, because we can segue into that, Eddie Barrows. If it was Eddie Barrows on either one of those books as well, I'd be buying it. I have to say, Eddie Barrows turned a corner for me on this Detective Comics. But uh, just real quick on Batman, I just felt felt the story was uh, a little disjointed. You know, uh, I wasn't sure if you know Calendar Man somehow with these spores were making the weather change super quickly, or he was fighting against climate change. And he's like, oh, it's the you know it's changing. You know, the the seasons are constantly changing. Or if this was a fight over a full year, no, or it was one week. Each day of the week, his he's supposed to age along with the calendar, right? But his aging has been hastened. So I forget like what day they start off on. It's probably like Monday, Monday or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's he's in his prime. Like Tuesday, he's starting to fail. Like he's so just, that, he's aging faster than normal. He's aging over instead of a whole year. He's aging over a course of a week. Yes. Okay. And, and so. That, Less than that, four days. So it was 130 degrees on summer. On the summer. That was and then the Tuesday. next day, it was fall. And then the next day, it, it was, was winter. Winter, and he was diving in. And Batman, you can't do that. You can only survive four minutes. It's been over five minutes. Which was a scene like just like three pages ago where Batman couldn't do something as, as well. And he did it. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. The, the other thing is, like, you're going to deep-sea dive without a scuba gear or anything. It's Batman. Just he with has his, gear. With his, no, but he doesn't. He's just Batman that's flying yeah, from building to building. Gear. You know he has that gear. Where is that? He does have that gear. You know he does. In that picture of He has a motocross, under, yellow jumpsuit motocross thing he, for the guy. If you look at those pictures, he's just Batman in yeah. escape swimming down. Oh, you and can only using, survive four minutes. Using the explosion to force him up out of the water to the helicopter? You know he has a deep sea bat suit. I think I own that I think I own that action figure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I bought it during the nineties. I'm pretty I, sure it glows in the dark. I had the Arctic suit. Yeah. yeah he's an Arctic suit. <laughs> you know. I really 
The weird, like, tank top and black shorts that he wears when he's kicking the tree looks like a strong man from the 1920s, too. Yeah. It's a, this, yeah, this issue is definitely a little weird. I felt a little disjointed, and, it, and it's pacing. Uh, a little confused about the whole timeline that's going on. I don't think it was explained exactly well. Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to disagree with you, because I think they did a, a good job of it. Okay, I, I just... I understood the timeline of what was happening. Mm-hmm. It's So he's now aging, and somehow that ties into the climate, or the climate ties it's, into him. It's tied into the machine that he had under the water. That's that's what had the spores. That was going to turn on the spores. So he built a machine that was changing the climate, or, or the weather, because it would be weather, not climate. No, it was changing the seasons. Right. Because he changes by the seasons. Okay, keep on explaining it then, because the, you you get understand. He had it, another so. way that the spores were working because they thought they destroyed all the spores, but obviously something was so still there was more spores? working. But because he blew up that machine that didn't react with the spores, which just looked like dandelions, <laughs> dandelion fuzz or uh, cottonwood, you know, uh, snowing allergies. Because he blew up the machine, it didn't work with those anymore, and then he. But he rebirthed. didn't he blow up those spores when he did the uh, electrical the... charge that he couldn't survive? Like you can't do that, Mister Bruce. You're you're going to die if you electrically charge your suit like that. And then it, he becomes the electrical ladder. His his bad antenna. Yeah, <laughs> which little, was kind of silly. A little silly. But then so he blew up the spores on Monday, right? Mm-hmm. And then he blew up a machine on Thursday. I don't know, and they were the same machine. No, you guys understood it, so... No, I'm, I'm looking through the days, because I don't remember what day is Thursday what. was so winter. Thursday. Uh-huh. So then Friday was spring, and that's when he has the That would The spores would spread and kill everybody. That's that's because the spores got out, but he destroyed the spores on Monday, right? He destroyed the machine. On Thursday. populating the spores. On Thursday. On Thursday. But he destroyed the spores on Monday. Yes. Tuesday and Wednesday are leg work day. I say arm work day, but this is where they are researching stuff. And then Friday is leg work day when he's kicking the tree. Yes. Okay. I'm glad it made sense to you guys. I, I am. Because even sitting here, I'm I'm confuffled by it all. But that's comic books, and it's fine. It, it can still be a good story, even though I'm confused by it. It just doesn't seem like you read it. I just don't like it. I just don't. I mean, that's fine. It's fine to not like it. I didn't mind this book. If you guys were going to pick up, like Chris, if you're picking up Detective Comics, that's great. I'm going to read those. If I, I am gladly going to be picking up Detective Comics. If somebody else, I, I really, I like Scott Steiner enough that I'd want to see what he's going to do with that book. Because that book sounds like it's going to be awesome. John Romita Jr. on art with him is, I mean, like, almost a death nail to that book, I still would pick up a couple issues. It's been since Trinity, since the last time I gave John Romita Jr. a shot on art. Trinity? Yeah, he was on Trinity. Who was on Trinity? That was Mark Bagley. Mark Bagley. Oh, I get those guys confused. John Romita was Marvel yeah, forever. until just, like, last year when he went so out as a Mark Superman. Bagley, though. Bagley was on... But I would give I would give Batman number one a try, and if you guys aren't going to pick it up, I'll pick it up. I I would check it out at least 
I'd give it a three issue try because this book wasn't that it wasn't that bad. It wasn't Scott Snyder, mm-hmm. which is going to be hard to fill that guy's shoes. But I don't think it was I don't think it was bad. Okay. I, I guess that I really I really enjoyed this book, and I wish this was the book that I would be maybe getting. Um, but like I also said, I'm glad I'm getting Detective Comics because that's where my bat dollars are going to be uh, <laughs> bat now. spent. That's where they're bat spending. <laughs> I, I mean, we talked we talked about it a little bit. We did the setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Batman and Batwoman putting together like vigilante boot camp, mm-hmm. and they're cousins. Or, and they're cousins. They finally admit it. Yeah, which is going. I, I actually really like the Batwoman stuff in this book, and mm-hmm. it's kind of solidified the fact that yeah, this is a character that I really did enjoy reading. I kind of wish, kind of miss. Yeah, I kind of well, wish when the dad would still be in the earpiece though, because he was in the earpiece for the first like three pages, mm-hmm. and then suddenly, as soon as she starts talking to Batman, he's gone, and I'm like, no. Well, yeah, but that would be just that would be confusing. Bat Dad would be like all losing his shit. He's like, yes, this is exactly what you need. Like you say yes to this. We have that moment where he told her that Mm -hmm. in the beginning. You belong to a team. You need Mm -hmm. to do this. Then she does it. Like spoilers for the next issue, nine thirty-five. Like there is more of her and her dad talking about just the uh, the militaristic relationship Mm -hmm. that she kind of needs to have. But this. This book is, I don't know if they purposely made this book for Chris Roy, yeah, but this is, this is... So they heard that I was stopping <laughs> buying Batman. They're like, we need those bat bucks. <laughs> we need those bat bucks. What are we going to do? Oh, we're going to take all the characters that were in the Robin book that he loved from uh, the 2000s, and then we're going to just throw in Azrael because we know that guy loves him. <laughs> yeah. Azrael? Nope. Yep. Oh, Have him show up. Uh, well, what are we going to do with him? Ah, just put him in a medical bay. Just knock him out. But have I, him show up. I do up. enjoy the fact that they are setting this up as a mystery. Like they're trying to find out who's behind the spying on the vigilantes. I just it's, which like Manta, which seems like which seems like uh, it might be <laughs> Batman. <laughs> Is it another Batman from a different Bat world? I know we have multiple Supermans, but it's it's interesting. I don't know if that's going to be like the mystery that keeps me coming back to it because it's going to be more of the team. I, mean, I I just had a year-long, or almost a year-long Batman mystery over in All-Star, or not All-Star, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the cover for All-Star Batman. Over in Batman and Robin, Eternal. The Batman mystery stuff that we had in Scott Snyder's Batman was fantastic. The Court of the Owls was amazing. Mm-hmm. Even Endgame, fantastic. I don't know if this is going to be convincing enough when we don't need more stuff that Batman doesn't know. Mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, he can only be stumped so many times, and well, whoever's making little drones, this is going to be like one of those one and done mystery things. So. I, I, well, I think Batman already knows who it is, and he's not saying it because he knows that it doesn't really matter to the troops. Because maybe it's something that he wants to take out the leader first, and he knows that that army's coming. Because even Batwoman says it to him. He's like, "Hey." I'm not the lieutenant. She says, I'm not a lieutenant here. I'm your partner in this. Like, if there's something I need to know, you let me know as soon as possible. Yeah. Like, and I think he, I think that's one of those things where it's Batman as that general, you know, and it's that street general that Batman's been for since the 90s, since 
before Cataclysm. You know, it's he leads an army of bat vigilantes spending his bat dollars. And uh, if it turns out to be Red Hood again, I'll be kind of upset because they kind of did that. No, because Red Hood's got his own book. Okay, It's not Red Hood. So who else? You know, I'm just trying to think who would be... Raz Ghoul is no, the it's only not other Raza. person. It, no, I think it's going to be either his brother. Oh, Lincoln March in the in the in a bat suit playing that, or somebody else we've seen wear the bat suit, or Owl Man, or something like that from Earth Three. It could, I mean, it could be, but I think the thing that you really, really get out of this, I mean, you have Tim Drake wearing his basically his Robin outfit from. The 2000s, from when he had his Robin suit. A little bit different, because he is still called Red Robin in this. And he has two R's. He's got two R's on his chest, instead of just one. Yeah, because Batman's doing something completely different now. I mean, it's a a more updated spoiler suit, but it's a spoiler suit we got from that run. The only thing is we have Orphan wearing, like, the Ronin suit from Marvel, um, just with a different color scheme. But still means, with a stone-up mask, though. The face mask. I still is, have that, and it actually reminded me a little bit more of the late um, aughts Black Canary costume with, like, the yellow, like, bands on it. Like, okay. on the shoulders there. Okay. I can kind of see that. I agree. It, it just it reminded me of that a little mm-hmm. bit more, but I, I have no issues with that. I was actually surprised by how much I like the Clayface stuff in this. I enjoyed the Clayface stuff, It's like, too. come on, man. I just... One day... They were showing this movie for one day. They were talking. I, I, I didn't hurt anybody. It's who I used to be. I just want that moment again. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's a heartbreaking, like, you feel for the guy instead of him just being that awful villain that gets paid off by everybody to just, like, play a part. And I love how giant he is to the other teenagers <laughs> that he's working with. And I also like how at the end of the meeting when everyone swings away on their lines, he's like, how do you expect me to do that? <laughs> And then there's this weird bat army that he's going to have to fight. It's it's a really good issue. This is the Robin issue, the Robin series that we've been missing. Because mm-hmm. it does. It feels like it's going to yeah. be that kind of Robin family book that we got when Robin was the main character, his girlfriend was spoiler, Batgirl would show up in it. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, Batman would give some type of direction or he would go talk to his dad. Mm-hmm. The only thing, and because this is going to be a, a thing that's going to happen. And talking to dads in comic books is so good. It's going to be a thing that happens throughout all of these. Are All of our superheroes are being watched by their villain on a monitor. Mm-hmm. And that's the big overlying thing. It's different people, but they're all just watching everybody on monitors. We get that in Aquaman. We get that in this book. We We get get, that in Superman. We get that in Superman. We have kind of that moment with Green Arrow. It's just a really kind of... Lazy? (laughs) Maybe? Because you need need that narrator to describe their heroes. And who better to describe heroes than the villains that they face? You know, we are all defined by the obstacles we overcome, right? Like, that's... That's a common kind of butchered proverb that I just maybe made up, but or maybe um, beard. I don't know. It's beard, beard memory, <laughs> like beard memory. <laughs> um, combining things, but it, I think I think that's what heroes are all about. They're they're defined by the obstacles. They're defined by the, the villains that they defeat, you know, and then they overcome the struggles and they rise above. 
So if you're going to define who the character is, who better to do it as a narrator than the villain? And, yeah, doing it on a monitor is an easy way, but we all live on monitors now, right? Like, that's it's the world we live in, I guess. Uh, I, yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. Okay. I mean, I, I just think it's lazy storytelling at that point, though. 307. Paul is not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My final book that I brought to the table was actually Green Lantern's Rebirth, number one. And this is written by Sam Humphreys with Jeff Johns, art by Ethan Van Skyver. And this is focusing on two of the newer Green Lanterns in the DC Universe. Uh, Simon Baz, who we've had around for a little bit, but not really a focus on any of the Green Lantern books. And then also the uh, new Green Lantern came out of uh, what was it? Villain, the Day of the Villains, or whatever it was called, Forever Evil. Mm-hmm. That was it. Uh, Jessica Cruz, who actually has the villain Power Rings, Power Ring. Oh, um, so it's rookie and rookier. As See, I was going to call it sibling rivalry, as as buddy cops um, <laughs> being kind of forced together by Hal Jordan. It seems like Hal Jordan's in the driver's seat. Those two kids are in the back seat, and they're on a long road trip. And they're both kind of arguing about who's staring at who, who's not touching who, who's sitting on whose side of the car. I don't want to poo-poo this book, because I did enjoy this book, but it is a worse telling than what we got with the the two characters from Green Lantern Corps back with Peter Tomasi. The two guys who were on warring planets, who were then partnered up, you got more interesting side talk oh, yeah. and stuff with those two characters, the reti- reptile guy and the Tangarian uh, or what? Tangarian, yeah. yeah. Sodom Yacht and Ismat Cole. Thank you. Like, those, char- those characters were so much more interesting and they had so much no, more... No, I'm sorry. I, Not Sodom Yacht. Yeah. 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 Sodom Yacht was the one that... Was the Dax. Was the Dax. Dax Mike, yeah. But those two characters were so much Jesus more Christ interesting. For, <laughs> we were a Green Lantern Ponder podcast for a while. Yeah. Uh, those two characters being forced to be partners was so much more interesting because they were rivalries. And, mm-hmm. I mean, towards the end when those guys were really taking shit and really became kind mm-hmm. of brothers, it was these great, great moments. Yeah. This book, it seems like, like you said, it's teen angst kids in the back of the car being pains in the ass. Yep. <laughs> That's all it is. And at this point, it's them just trying to like show that they know at least a little bit more than the other one. Did he know it was a man hunter? Like, yeah, ma- yeah, maybe. Fucking bullshit. I, I, Come on. Why are you fronting, man? This book does get points because it did remind me of Green Lantern Corps uh, by Tomasi. And I, I think once it gets the ball rolling, it'll feel more like that. Because it's already feeling more like a Green Lantern book than any of the Green Lantern stuff that I've been reading at the tail end of the New 52. Like, that got really far away just from the general feeling of Green Lantern, and having the focus be on the beat cop aspect of it a little bit more kind of brings me back to what I think made us be a Green Lantern podcast. And and I did, like... Sorry, go ahead. uh, And I just want to say, like, the first thing I said was, I like this book. It just, yeah. to me, it needed a little better thing. But this is another one of those books that feel like a zero issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Especially with the setup of 
the Guardian like escaping that force with the unknown ring. It's, Every ring? <laughs> it's it's of- getting back to what made Green Lantern that like top-tier DC book again. I mean, back in the early 2000s, it was Batman, Superman, and then Green Lantern on everything. Those were the three main franchises. So this is a step in the right direction. I mean, it's a kind of wonky baby deer first step, but it's... Uh-huh. It'll be it'll be running through the fields in no time, I think. Uh huh. I, I I hear what you're saying because I would say similar things about X Factor. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like word for word what I used to say about X Factor, yeah, Chris. Well, Paul, here's the thing: I don't keep buying X Factor. I, I <laughs> no, no, no. Lantern books that I, didn't I, I can I can cut that cord. Here you are. You're back buying a Green Lantern book, though. Um. Technically, I'll be buying two. <laughs> and then there's Hell Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. This, this book, it lays the groundwork that these guys are going to be the ones who are on Earth. Hell Jordan is going to be in space mm-hmm. with Hell Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Like, it's, Trying it, to find the Corps. It's a good twist that Hell Jordan needs to be that leader. How can he be the leader if he's just the guy that's focusing on Earth? It's taking two characters who were introduced, nothing really happened with them, and these are going to be the the characters who are going to grow to respect each other. Yeah. I think with this being a zero issue, that it is. It's those teenage kids in the back of the car, yeah. like you said. But they give you a brief, a brief synopsis of each character. This is who this character is. FBI talking to him. Give us See, more about the CIA. Or and the CIA, the, the Green Lantern Corps. Mm-hmm. Um, this character being a shut-in who received this ring. She's agoraphobic. Those are two things. Okay, you nerve get, relatable. You get those characters right away. They let you know down to the core. These are these characters. See, I, I have a problem with that statement right there because, okay, he's dealing with some real shit, you know, with the FBI and, her, you know, he's cleaning up terrorists off the, the thing. And then he acts like a spoiled brat once he puts on this powering. So he's acting like an adult, owning up, like checking with the FBI when he needs to, taking care of real world issues. And then he puts on the powering when he should be the most mature, the most heroic. And then he's right. acting like the kid. But I, I think that it could just be at that point he knows he's in over his head. Like he can be in control of everything else in his life, but this was something that was almost literally just thrown at him. The guy was and in he, Guantanamo. He knows that life. Mm-hmm. He's a professional at that life. All of his said, and now he has to be a superhero. And okay. he doesn't know that life. This is so two he's different. going to try to front. Okay, this that is two life. different. You're saying that the imposter syndrome, right? Like where you feel like you're over your head. There's two ways to basically deal with it, where you act like you know everything because otherwise people might call you out, and then you realize that you don't know anything, or you act like her, which is like you just seem like that fish out of the water, and you just like you know, even though, and you don't never feel like you earned it. Exactly. He overfeels like he earned it, and, and this is like he earned it. this is the book where both those characters are going to learn how to earn it. Hmm. Because who are they going to learn from? The Justice League. Wouldn't it be cooler if it was the three other Green Lanterns from Earth? 
Like, you got Guy Gardner that's teaching about, dude, this is, you got a power rank. It's freaking raw power. Just go. And then you got John Stewart being like, yeah, it's raw power. Use it responsibly. Like, really plan out what you're going to do. Really focus on what you want and then imagine, and then do it. Build it. And then you got Kyle being like, yeah, build it, but just imagine anything. It's all creation. It's what? all you. It's all just pour yourself into it. You have these great moments. Wouldn't in, that be you, cool? You have these great moments in past books, especially Green Lantern, when mm-hmm. Kyle Rayner went through the DCU learning something from each mm-hmm. character. Okay. And I think that's where they're going with this. You're going back to the 90s, Kyle Rayner. Yeah, and I think that's where you're, That's why they're introducing, like, you're going to learn from the Justice League. And you're going to learn. Cool. Wouldn't it be cool? It, yeah, Paul. It would, cool. it would be cool. It would be it cool. It would make more sense. Thank but you. maybe you're going to see those characters mm-hmm. in Green, you know, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. That's where they're going to make more kind of so, sense. Right. Or maybe those characters in the second storyline are where they're going to jump in to do these things. Mm-hmm. But I think you're going. Would be cool. It'd be cool. <laughs> It'd Re- be cool. Rebirth is going back to those hearkening moments where things kind of mattered and felt like mm-hmm. they really had heart and matter. And watching Kyle Rayner, who total fish out of water, totally, mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. a hero. Blah, blah, blah. My girlfriend just got chopped up and put into a refrigerator. But he goes through and he learns from each of these characters and he learns mm-hmm. something from them. That was an amazing storyline. Mm-hmm. That was something great. That was something that made those characters, that character be a Green Lantern to you. But it also introduced them to the rest of the DC universe. That's how you got to see how they are around everyone else. Like, the first one where he actually meets the Counterhawk Green Arrow, like, that was fun, like, because you had those two newbies in their roles but coming from that legacy. It it fit. Mm -hmm. It worked. Same thing when he met with um, Wally, too. Yeah. And I think that's where you're going with this book. And yeah, the way you get the little bit of infighting from them, little brother and sistery, but I think you can have it's that's how it's going to be a bit. But like you said, it's the two sides of the fronting of being a superhero. Okay, I'm afraid for this book. That's all I'm saying. And it would be, it would be cool. <laughs> Especially how I play, played it out, right? Like that's how I'm the characters not, I'm not would say. I'm hopeful for mm-hmm. this book, but I already feel better about this book than I did with. Green Lantern at the tail end of the New 52. Like, I, for the first time in years, I dropped all Green Lantern books. Like, I wasn't buying anything. So, it's a good time. It's the rebirth of it. So, just pause it there. And, uh, before we get into my books, uh, and they're not, they're mine because I bought them. And I also bought this beer. John handed me the beer and then took the beer I was, away. From I me. was looking for a date and I find, I saw numbers on the uh, back of the. This is the, like, the Lagunitas limited release, the Harry Eyeball Ale. And this is uh, 9.1%. No wonder I'm so goofy. Uh, on the International Bitter Units... IBUs? IBUs. It is uh, 56.66. I, I, just round. Like, does anybody... Can anybody tell? It's almost 50. Yes, almost 50. <laughs> almost 50. Can anybody tell the difference uh, between 56.66 and 57? I so this know. beer is released between October and December. So we are drinking a seven-month-old, maybe a little bit more, 
um, bottle of the Harry Eyeball mm-hmm. from Lagunitas. Uh, this is a classic. Chris and I, you you and I always really enjoyed this beer when it's released. They always had a pizza plant, too. Hey, they got their phone number on this I know, they do. <laughs> they, they give us a call. Yeah. Um, this is what they call their hangover beer. Hmm. So they say uh, after a night of drinking, open this up, enjoy it with a burger or some fatty food to, to fight that hangover. This is uh, an American strong ale. Um, this is, like I said, age seven months. Big multi mm-hmm. notes to it now. Uh, I get a lot of dark cherry flavor on it, like a uh, rich cherry, like um, uh, you know, not a sweet pop Bing cherry, but not a maraschino cherry, but like um, uh, you know, in like an actual black cherry that you would eat off a tree. I don't know, oh, yeah, like, cherry tree. Because right? you make you're making spoon like, motion. Like, I know you would know. pick it. You would pick it off the tree and just eat it. I don't know why you pick like that. It's a weird picking. Pick. Like you got snap. You got snap. motion. Got to snap it. Um, this is good. It's malty. Mm-hmm. It's barley winey. Being a strong ale, it's very mm-hmm. close to a barley wine. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Smooth. Very or smooth. Nine point one percent. Even what is it? even fresh. Nine point one. Even fresh. It's good. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember if this is something that I've. I've bought many times for the podcast, and then Chris and I would just enjoy it ourselves and not bring it. But I think so. <laughs> sounds no, like you. Really? Sounds like oh, you. Yeah, sounds I like you guys. I don't know if we've had it on the show or if it was. It was a long time ago, but it's definitely a good beer. I'm looking forward to getting a fresh bottle. <laughs> uh, maybe sitting on it for seven months again. But yeah, Lagunita is always, always, almost always a good beer. You're wearing Lagunitas to your wedding. I am. All right. You know what I'm not wearing to your wedding? A comic book. <laughs> that was the worst. It was the best segue. Uh, and we'll go and we'll keep with uh, Chris's theme of alphabetical order, and we'll uh, go with Action Comics number nine fifty seven. Uh, this was written by. I should have had it open to the first page, but Chris I reminded you before we started. <laughs> I know, but we. I was. I know. I'm clicking. I'm, I'm sorry. Clicking. <laughs> We're written by Dan Jurgens, art by Patrick Zikir. And this is the story of Lex Luthor uh, showing himself off to Metropolis as the new protector. And the Superman from our Superman, back pre-52, new 52 Superman, uh, who's basically married to Lois Lane and has a kid. That's raising John, hmm. who's not really their son, but, you know, I think... It's the kid from the Jeff Johns run with Richard Donner, where it was, like, <laughs> General Zod's kid or something. Yeah, from the negative zone. Uh, he was going to be, you know, he was kind of spent his first, like, I think he's maybe four or five here. and I think he's a little older than that. Yeah, I think that. he's a little bit older. Because he's, like... I still want to play my video games. I think okay, he's, so like, eight? seven or eight. Seven yeah. or eight? But he was spent the first few years in the, you know, being raised in the Nega Zone, and now he's being raised by Clark Kent and Lois Lane out in Smallville, or upstate New York, not even, or upstate Metropolis. <laughs> Who knows? It just says upstate now. So uh, whenever I hear upstate, I think upstate New York. But yeah, this usually this is Lex Luthor stopping a bank robbery, mm-hmm. which was a diversion for the other side of this team to steal something out of a vault from upstairs in this building. Uh huh. 
definitely makes me at first thought it was Lex Luthor setting up his own like I'm gonna show you that I'm a superhero kind of a like Octavius like from Superior Spider-Man yeah or like Lex Luthor <laughs> just being like no no I'm the hero I look I caught these guys I might have hired them to break in here but I yeah, yeah. stopped them and uh, Clark Kent aka our the Superman here being like yeah that ain't happening and going out to uh, confront Lex Luthor and that's basically all that happens in the book until the very last page it's yeah but it's it's well, Clark- then you, you also have a different Clark Kent show up and in this universe Clark Kent everyone knows was Superman mm-hmm. and he died but now here he is as well um, this is one of those things I think if you are going to read this book or if you want to read it you should read Superman Rebirth number one first because that one takes place before this one a little bit it kind of sets the groundwork for who's who and what the current status quo is because um, it's being told from the viewpoint of our old Superman who's the new Superman again back in the current universe Mm-hmm. It's hard to like, yeah. Describe this book because there's still burning Superman. Yeah, we we had the original Superman that we knew from our original Fifty Two, mm-hmm. who disappeared when we got the new Fifty Two. But then that Superman died, and now our original Superman's back to be our Superman again. And so he, there's a lot of talking about different Supermen. And he showed up to help Superman fight the thing that killed him in. The new 52 Superman book. Yeah. And don't worry, John. There's this guy in a robe with a, like a pea staff, like a pea, pea kind of shepherd's hook, standing in front of monitors, watching it all go down, including what's happening at the house, which is Lois Lane and John watching Superman on a monitor. <laughs> no. So two levels of monitors going on, John. Two levels of monitors. So many people being watched. The person watching all of this who hired the guys to steal Doomsday, that's our old Lex Luthor, right? Are we going to have two Luthers? Mockingbird and Alexander Luthor and Lex Luthor? Um, But the thing that made the... I'm going to call Kal L the Superman from pre-52. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then Clark Kent will be the Superman that died. Okay. And who's the one that's back? Is it a different one, or is it the Superman that died? I think it's. we can assume that it's the same. Maybe can he's we? been regenerated and he isn't. Well, Superman. Because Superman! Part, part of what happens in Superman is Kal-El's like, no, dying's hard, but you learn from it, I came back. Mm-hmm. You're Superman well, too, when he's talking to Lana Lang. Yeah. Uh, who's there to steal Superman's remains and bury them next to his parents. His Earth parents. His Earth parents. So, who knows? I mean, he was cremated in, like, whatever attack happened. I mm-hmm. don't read Superman books. I'm not a Superman fan, but he, he, he could come back, and that could be the Superman that we're getting here, watching on monitors. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I liked it, though. Uh, I enjoyed action comics. I enjoyed action comics more than the Superman book. Um, and we kind of summed up what happens in... The Superman book as well. It's yeah, in this, that this small sentence. Kind of more that character-driven zero issue. It, like yeah, it, it takes place all at the Fortress of Solitude. It's basically Cal L Superman 
trying to talk Lana Lang through her grief. Mm-hmm. And also, it's the exact opposite of the Batman issue, where uh, everybody's saying, well, it can't be done. You can't resurrect Superman. And he's like, yes, I can. Yes, I can do it. And then at the end of the issue, no, I can't, unlike Batman, which is, dude, you can't do that. You can't do that. You got to get out of there. And then he does it. I like the Lex Luthor in action comics. I like the Lex Luthor that's kind of has an Iron Man Superman suit. Mm-hmm. And the thing that pisses Superman off is Kal-El off the most is that he's wearing the S and he's wearing the previous Clark Kent's cape. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, I'd be interested to see this kind of steel version of Lex Luthor is steel mm-hmm. than anything. Because I think it's kind of good that this guy's he, from what we've gathered from what mm-hmm. we've read in other books... Yeah. Lex Luthor went good. He was on the Justice League. He helped fight alongside those characters. He considered... He blackmailed his way onto the Justice League, though. He... was it? Did he? I don't know. <laughs> Did you read those? <laughs> Did you just kind of... I, summarize, I read the summaries of those because I wasn't going to pay money for them. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's kind, of a, it's kind of an interesting. And now they have that oh shit moment where... Mm-hmm. This Lex Luthor in a Superman suit doesn't know what he's facing with Doomsday. The Superman Kal-El mm-hmm. does. and thing is he died at his hands yeah. as well. So the two books are, like, if you're going to talk about Action Comics and Superman, that Superman issue is very heavy with his death happening mm-hmm. at the hands of Doomsday. I mean, it really goes on about it. It's like, dude, he died. He came back. Get over it already. Right? Like, uh, people die every day, man. So, I'm interested. I would pick up Action Comics number two. Actually, you picked up, like, the Action Comics number one, Paul. Mm-hmm. I downloaded it because I want to read it. I didn't read it. I'm going to read it after we review all these because I hate when I mm-hmm. we start talking about the next issue. But it is more interesting, I feel, than Action Comics. Or uh, Superman. Okay. See, I, I feel like there are two books that are going to be telling the same story side by side. Um, and I, I really enjoyed Superman. It was written by Pete Tomasi, art by Doug Mankey. I loaded it up, too. Yeah, pencils <laughs> and inks done by uh, Jamie Mendoza. And I, I, I really enjoyed these books. I think they're two sides of the same coin, um, with Superman being that more like quiet, hey, here we are just talking. But then you have action comics being the action comic. Uh, I'm going to say for like the first time in a long time, I I really enjoyed reading a Superman book, and it was both of these. This is something that if someone continued to buy either one of them, I would probably enjoy reading it. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, Superman seemed definitely more like the Zero issue this one, because it seems shorter, too. And... Uh, Action Comics definitely seems more like a number one. So I would go more with Action Comics now than Superman number one. Because especially in the Action Comics, uh, they say at the end, like in the like previews pages, like, super cool school. The Man of Steel must balance his family and his place on Earth as Earth's protector. Uh, so I'm kind of more interested in the family dynamic that's going to happen there than... Uh, him fighting Lex Luthor. So so that's my take. 
But uh, definitely more interesting Superman books than we've been getting in quite a while. I definitely agree. And what was my last issue? Oh, Wonder Woman. How could you forget Wonder Woman? Oh, I love myself some Wonder Woman. Because this this Zero issue, a.k.a. Rebirth number one, uh, was basically like every single first issue of Wonder Woman that I've read outside of the... Awesome, Brian um, Azarello. Brian Azarello, would, where what Brian Azarello did in the first Wonder Woman issue, issue is just like, there's no questions. She's a freaking warrior. She's going to smack some stuff up. You don't go to her for help this unless woman, you're expecting some cuts, some bruises, and some maybe broken bones along the way. Because this this woman's the key to everything. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman needs to protect her. She's story go. Yeah, and this one is the. Um, more like the who, Judy Piccolo and um, what was what was the guy's name? The uh, Alan Heiden- Alan Heinberg Heinberg's like issues number one of Wonder Woman is who is Wonder Woman? Like oh, there's been so many stories. Which one is correct? Which one's right? And it's like it kind of drags much like we were saying about Aquaman. It seems like a rehashing, a retelling. Is, and you is, don't get anywhere because it's spinning its wheels. Is that true? Yes. Is it not true? Yes. Yes. Ugh, it's, it's a lot of that. Yes, this happened to her. Yes, this happened to her. But did it? Yes. No. And I, I think that's what actually really made me enjoy reading this book because it's just all those different takes on Wonder Woman and then her not even knowing which one is right herself. That's a story that I want Greg Rucka to tell me. Okay. Because I feel like Greg Rucka knows that answer, and he's going to explain it in the best possible way. And since it's Rucka, you trust that it's Rucka telling it to you and not the editors? Exactly. Okay. Um, it's just because them bringing Rucka back to tell the story shows that, yeah, it's, it's going to be the story. I mean, not to say that we won't have different takes on Wonder Woman in the future, but I know he is going to not just pay homage to, but respect everything that came before. And he definitely... Nothing's going to be talked down to or about. He definitely shows that everything ever about Wonder Woman is true. She, But we don't know where it is all headed to, and because I'm going to say everything is true, I'm going to give you a bad guy that we don't know yet, and we're going to go find it out. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do it in every other issue, one being in the past, one being in the present. Mm-hmm. And I Because it's a bi- bi-monthly book. And it's I reading right in. Wait, I should mention this, sorry. <laughs> it's not not Brian Azzarello, Greg Rucka, and uh, art done by Liam Sharp. And... Uh, there we go. Sorry. And I mean, it's, it's going to be done by two artists because the the past stuff or the stuff where she's this isn't you're not this isn't uh a, I want to say Apollo, but no, this isn't Mount Olympus. Mm-hmm. This is something else. Oh, the like, present day story versus her past story. Yeah. And I think it's going to be an interesting story told through both of those stories. I think I'm more interested in the past or the kind of Mount Olympus mm-hmm. kind of a thing. But it's definitely a story I'm interested in reading. I don't know if I'd pick it up, but I would definitely read it if one of you two bought it. I got issue one. <laughs> it's right here up on my screen right now. She's in the jungle. 
I, I read issue number one because I saw it was available, and I, I really dug it. Yeah, it's, it seems. I, I, I'm I not a big fan of the art, though. How I care about Warman, I think I will like the like the current storytelling mm-hmm. stuff more, but I'm not going to say that I don't want to see the past. Because I, I think that's going to be a good story as well, but I, I think it's awesome that Greg's actually doing it this way, where it's going to be alternating between two artists and two stories, take the pressure off so they don't have to try to do all this work and then get stressed out, overworked, and then we don't get a Wonder Woman book. I don't know. I, I really dig in this. I think... I think we're going to be getting a good Wonder Woman story again. I don't know if, Paul, you're going to like it as much as you like the Brian Azzarello, Cliff Chang stuff, but I, I think this is going to stand in that pantheon of great Wonder Woman stories alongside the rest of Greg Rucka's stuff, too. Yeah. I, I think Cliff Chang had a better art style than this uh, Liam Sharp. Unfortunately, I think Liam Sharp's faces are a little, like his eyes are really wide set, and then well, his this, faces are, like, strung this out. This was long. actually done by two different... Okay. Artist. The first half of it's by what's his name, Matthew Clark. Matthew Clark, I've been enjoying. And the last more. half of it is Liam yeah. Sharp. Yeah, because issue number one of Wonder Woman's all Liam Sharp, and I'm like, ugh, it's a little. Uh, who who was doing Green Lantern for the longest time? Which who made everybody look alien? Ma- Doug Mankey, who did yeah. Superman number one? Yeah, and yeah, I don't. It, it reminds me a lot of that where people just look. A little like just their face faces, just the face structure looks a little wonky. Just eyes a little too wide set, and then the face themselves are a little longer, so than uh, needs to be. So I don't know. Um, it's definitely going to be an interesting read. I'm definitely in. You know, the pedigree of the creators are what's selling it, it to me, not the actual story that I'm set up with here in Rebirth Number One, because it seems just. Kind of like what we were saying with the Aquaman, it's hackneyed of rehashing and not. I I I don't agree with that statement a hundred percent. Okay, I do feel it is a little hackneyed, but I feel like it's giving you the lowdown of what to expect out of this book. Um, yeah, it def- I, I agree. it definitely feels like a zero issue. Hey, this is where we're going, but it gives you it in a sense that. Okay, it's going to be a tale of two sides of the same coin, and where is it going to start blending together, and where is it going to land? I can't say I 100% loved this issue, but it definitely set up the world of, okay, it's Rucka saying everything from the past is true, but it's not true. Other things that have happened are true, but I'm going to take all of that history that you love, and I'm going to show you that it's going to work in this new world. Rucka, Rucka, let me give you a cheat code. Everything Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang is true. Everything that isn't that is a lie. Go. (laughs) I'm just wondering how much of this is actually going to tie into what we're getting in that post-rebirthiness where... Mm -hmm they do realize that someone's been messing with their memories and the timelines. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. if this is going to be its own separate thing, or if it's going to roundabout turn back into that, too. What I think is interesting is they did it with, um, they, they say, oh, maybe she was born of Zeus, which is the Brian Azarella thing, and they don't make any mention of, you know, the big, the uh, direct-to-DVD uh, Wonder Woman 
that everybody kind of loved, uh, which was like, oh no, she's the son of Ares, you know, uh, or, or she's the daughter of Ares, not son of Ares. Uh, as, but I like I I did like Wonder Woman as the God of War from Brian Azzarello, and for that to be kind of taken away, I feel kind of cheated. It's, it's not taken away though, it's Paul. Not. It's, it's in there. It's she in there. The she mentions it, and then it's like, oh, but that was a lie. I shouldn't be able to crush this yeah, helmet. Because that way about everything, because mm-hmm. she doesn't know. Because something is messing with what yeah. she thought was Mount Olympus. Like that's where I, that's what I got from it. It wasn't like, oh, this isn't true. She puts that helmet on. She says, "I'm, you know, I was the god of war, but I'm supposed to be." But was I born of peace? Yeah. Everything is was I. Yeah. And I think that's where you're going to show is like all this stuff happened, but maybe the stuff that happened didn't happen the way we thought it did. It happened the way we thought it did, but all of those gods aren't the right gods or it was all a trick or it was all something. It gives me enough to say, let's see where this goes. I'm interested in seeing where this story goes. Okay. And it's different. It's different enough that it's following everything that you think about Wonder Woman and then all the stuff that you go, well, I thought she was just was an Amazon princess. I didn't know she was going to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. Because we've had those moments. Mm-hmm. Brian Ezriello's Ezra- is she's this. Mm-hmm. Then you have the one where she's not, like, she doesn't have the superpowers as Damn, much as we thought. And then there's the one version that was kind of in the 2000s where... I have the speed of Mercury. I have the strength of this. I have the mm-hmm. the sound modern b- body of Solomon. And I'm like, well, isn't she just Captain Shazam? Marvel now? Like, so I mean, it's we've had these moments of she used to just fly around in an invisible plane. Now she can just fly. Mm-hmm. He's touching upon all of that. He's taking all of that into consideration. Well, let's take some other books into consideration. John, your books. Let's take the books that Paul didn't read into yeah. consideration. <laughs> Chris and I will discuss. Yes. Good. Uh, I need to find a doctor. <laughs> I got low iron. Low iron. Uh, so why don't we? We'll just follow the same thing and go into Flash number one. And this is with, this was written by Joshua Williamson, art by Carmine De. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. There we go. That's what I said. Um, yeah, this also reads almost like it's Rebirth number 1.5, too. Uh, because this kind of gives you what Flash was doing previous to Rebirth, the Rebirth moments, and then him checking in on Batman from right after Wally West talked to him. Uh, but this happens to be Barry working on a case that's touching really close to home where a son has witnessed a mother being killed, the father is suspect, and he's having flashes of villains coming in, and then when he sees Wally coming in, he doesn't believe it's real, he thinks it's all part of some kind of psychosis thing that might be happening to him from this case. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> From this case. Thank you for making sure no, that I... I mean, it's, it's a lot of stuff that happens in this book. It, it, it's a very wordy book. 
And it was right when we had Wally show up and we get that rebirth moment. That's where the book kind of like stumbled for me a little bit. I don't know if it's because it's what I had seen already, but then right after that, where he's in the Batcave talking to Batman, I was right back into it. Yeah. It definitely feels like this is like a book you need to kind of, you might need to read to continue reading ongoing rebirth issues. Like, are we going to get like a rebirth number two? No, I honestly, it seems like if you want the continuing rebirth story, you will be following the Flash and um, Titans because they're the books that are focusing on Barry and Wally, and that's kind of what the continuing thread's going to be. So we'll, we probably will get like another rebirth, like event series spinning out of all of this, but it, it seems like it's going to be primarily Flash driven. All right, because that's I mean that's because that is where I saw the continuation going with this book. Because I I was I was wondering myself, and I <coughs> excuse me, sorry. I I should you know I'm getting over the sickness still. I'm in a I'm in a comic book podcast. I should double check all of this stuff, but I thought there was going to be another rebirth issue to or issues six of them to kind of tie this all in but it makes sense that it would be between flash and titans where wally is going to be a little more present um yeah and it seemed like like you said chris a little rehashing of the moment between the two of them meeting up but i think you kind of need that a little bit but not to the extent of what they did with it like, oh, you're still using the ring? I'm going to use the Speed Force to give me a new suit. You know, like, there was kind of some... Wait, what? He can just Don't ask questions. Yeah, read, I'll, read the book. I'll read the book. Okay. He can materialize... You, you don't get to talk. He can materialize the suit out of the Speed Force. I did like having more of those Wally and Barry moments. Um, I mean, that was one of my favorite parts of Rebirth number one. Just like those two characters literally reconnecting. So yeah, I have no no problems with it. It just reading what I had already read last month just kind of seemed like, ugh. but then right after that, yeah, it brought when, me back into it. when he's with Batman and everything. Yeah, and they're, I, they're being science buddies. Like that was that was cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'm not totally in love with the art in this book, but no. we are getting the red costume that we've wanted for years instead of that muted red. We're getting a red costume. Things I think are going to tie into Reverse Flash. Uh, they have to <laughs> because he's seeing flashes of him as well. So I think like Ebor Thane is going to be coming out of the Speed Force somehow too. Was there anybody looking at a monitor? Yes, Batman. <laughs> oh, it's Batman's the bad guy. Oh, brother, I. He's an OMAC. It's an OMAC, and that's why there's a bunch of different ones, John. Mm, They're all OMAC. They're all OMACs. Uh, but this definitely, I think, was... It is a good continuation to what we got in that Rebirth number one. Yeah, it feels more like a flashbook. Um, with like that family aspect, him being the CSI, him so good. Tying, like, tying everything back into his family... Um, you talked about it at the beginning of the episode when we were discussing Aquaman about how he does have 
those moments where he goes to talk to his dad about things. That seemed very much out of the CW Flash show, so I kind of like them bringing that relationship over to the comic side of things. Um, I, I like the book. I don't know if it would be one of my must-reads, but if they do more stuff with him and Batman researching everything that happened, I'm I'm there for those. Uh, I agree. I will probably pick up Flash 2. I can't tell you how long I will stay on it. Okay. Can you... Can you tell us a little closer to the mic? I heard him. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then we're going to go into the last book we have, uh, which is Green Arrow Rebirth number one. Uh, Rebirth, um, written by Benjamin uh, Piercy and art and color by Otto Schmidt. Uh, and this is the Green Arrow we've been missing for quite a while. Uh, this is Green Arrow uh, running into and working with Black Canary, and it seems like they might be partners for a while in this book. Wink, wink, wink. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What kind of partners? Like, oh, there's bedroom partners. There's a bit of a kiss at the end of this. Book. Ooh. <laughs> Miss Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this Mike Rowell, brought to you by Marissa Tomei. <laughs> This book captured everything I'd want in a Green Arrow book, uh, especially the stuff between Oliver Queen and Dinah Lance. Mm-hmm. Uh, they give him the goatee, like it's like everything. Is, and then there, <laughs> he's got arrows. He's got he arrows. He's got bows. He's, he's got facial hair. He's and a goatee. He's talking about. He the, kisses Diana Lance. He's ta- it's Green Arrow. He's talking about. The fat cats, she's saying, you're one of the fat cats. And then he's like, no, I'm not one of the fat cats. Uh, I'm Dan DiDio. I'm Dan DiDio. We finally got our books together. Uh, Story-wise, art, everything in this book works. Um, There's been a a group of underground dwellers who travel city to city to steal women and children and then sell them on the black market. And... Green Arrow and Ol- and uh, I was going to say Green Arrow and Oliver Queen. Green Arrow and Black Canary are both on the tracks, working together to solve this crime. Hmm. Yeah, I, I dug this book a lot. Longbow Hunter mint style. Yeah, like the artwork in it's fantastic too. It's it's really good, and it reads like a number one. It doesn't okay. read like a zero issue at all. Nobody uh, on a monitor. There is somebody well, on a monitor. You, you see people on monitors, but Uh-oh. they have like the bidding for the uh, what's it called? Oh, it's for the, the bidding the for market. Yeah, mm. so like people are voting by like internet proxy almost for women. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this book. It, it felt good to read a Green Arrow book that feels like Green Arrow again. A street level Green Arrow. Street level Green Arrow. I really did enjoy the Jeff Lemire stuff. But got a little I'm in cr- that middle of the new fifty two, mm-hmm. but this feels more like I'm reading the, the Kevin Smith, the Judd Winnick, Brad Meltzer stuff that really made me a Green Arrow fan in the early two thousands. Man, when is Brad Meltzer gonna come back? I don't think he's, he's ever gonna. He's doing kids' books now. Like he, no. he doesn't need that comic book money anymore. <laughs> There's no comic book money. We spend it all on Batman. It all becomes it gets turned over to Bat money. 
It's all about money. And you can't convert it back over to real money. Uh, uh, so that's the last one we had, right? Because we're not going to yeah. talk about yep. Titans. Uh, unfortunately, neither Paul nor I. I went to the Google Doc and read all the books on the Google Doc. And I read my books because, you know, they I were your them. books. They were my books. Uh, but we had forgotten that we were supposed to put our books on the Google Docs. Yeah. And after then we were that, supposed to... After that initial day where I put my books on it, I didn't go back, like, the next two weeks to add anything else to it. But and it's okay. We, and we were supposed to then talk about which books we actually wanted to talk about. So guess what? We talked about all of them damn books. Except, except for Titans. Titans. Yeah. How was Titans? Titans, it was good. Um, I felt better about Titans because it's also written by... Dan Abnett than I did Aquaman. Hmm. Um, it's very much um, Wally going to visit the Titans and trying to reawaken their minds like he did with Barry. Oh, okay. Um, that's why I said it kind of reads as like that companion to the Flash because it's him knowing what's wrong with the world and then trying to rectify it. Um, so, so I mean, this one did read a lot like a zero issue where you now have the Titans together, ready to ready to figure out what happened to them all. Mm. Now, guess what, guys? We just talked about Titans. We talked about all of them books. See, I, I, I know I'd be able to get it in there. <laughs> Done. And we're only two hours and five minutes into the show. So, hey, if you love two hours and five minutes of uh, three drunk, well, two drunk guys and one yeah, coffee I drinker, coffee this morning. I'm alert. Uh, talking about comic books, like us over on the Facebook page. Over at uh, Facebook, just find us at Bagnum Board. You can also find us on Twitter at Bagnum Board. You can find us on the internet, BagnumBoard.com. Use Google. <laughs> yeah, use the Google. You can go on iTunes and leave us a rating and review there. You can email us, contact uh, John, Paul, or Chris at BagnumBoardCast.com. Yes, the cast actually needs to be there. Uh, Instagram? Are we still Instagramming? I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah, I put up the episode artwork every week. Oh, cool. So we're on the Instagrams. Are we on the Snapchat? Because that's no, the kid I don't thing. use Snapchat. Why would we be on Snapchat? We're not. A lot we're of in our, are. We're in our 30s. We can't use Snapchat. It actually asks you how old you are, and they say we're too old. It does not. That's a lie, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what the 20 year old kids tell me that I'm too old <laughs> to use Snapchat. Uh. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. Check us out. Uh, find me over at parksandrec.com where I talk about Disney stuff with my friend Janet. Yeah. Uh, and uh, after Honeymoon, you'll find me over on Horror Movie Massacre. A new episode Which just came out. Randomly, I, yeah, I saw you guys um, had new episodes, but it was Stitches again. So did you I, guys finally get everything onto like a solid host so you can keep all your episodes up there? I think he's actually just redoing issues or episodes because hmm. we have another issue or another episode recorded that we haven't put up yet. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure on that. Uh, he should get a producer. Yeah. It's him. <laughs> uh, episode. 